Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paul O'Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, y'all? How you guys doing? Even though nobody's asking, I'm great. I'm down south. Things are good. Yeah, that's all I got to say for today. Without further ado, because we're not going to pay Paul any attention this episode, we have a special guest in the building I am excited about this episode. If only y'all knew how long we've been trying to do this episode, but <laughs> the right timing is everything. So <laughs> without, without further ado, Miss Asase, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me and yeah. for being so patient with my crazy schedule. It's all good. We understand life gets crazy. You know, we're just happy you're here. So Let's hop right into it. You know, we like to be respectful of your time. So just right off the bat, tell us, why did you choose to go the MD route? Why did you choose to pursue the field you're in now as opposed to something else? Yeah, um, that's a loaded question. Because, I mean, if anyone out there that's listening is Nigerian, I mean, we all know how our parents raise us to be one of three things. <laughs> to be a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. In the words of my girl, Yvonne, orgy or a disappointment so I didn't want to be a disappointment um but I will say that the field of medicine has kind of caught my eye and it caught my eye when I was like a kid I don't even know what I saw it's probably a television show to be honest something real real simple um but as I got older I realized that I was very just I was just interested in the human body and how it worked and I am a Christian and so I think that I was always just intrigued by how God created us and and how intricately he is just a part of life and so I think I think that was just another way that I just envisioned what my my impact on medicine would be that I was just honestly learning about another one of God's creation one of the best creation in my opinion so I mean when I got into college I still knew I wanted to be a doctor but I didn't necessarily know what the steps were to get there I just knew I had to go to college because there was no other option. And so I really had to kind of fight, in my opinion, tooth and nail to stay engaged in understanding what my purpose was in this career. Like I figured out, I was like, okay, well, girl, you tutor people. You have a good time. Maybe you should be a teacher. Matter of fact, you love languages. You pick them up so fast. Maybe you should be a linguist, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. But I was really like, okay, God, you're going to have to confirm this for me because I see that I am good at other things. I, start, I started um, 
working as a photographer part-time in college and I was I'm like I'm good at this I'm good at connecting with people and I realized you know like I can do just about anything so does it have to be medicine because this is like this is difficult and so I think God just started giving me more opportunities to just interact with physicians and and also gave me a couple I mean I wouldn't say God gave it to me the devil's active as well but it just gave me some opportunities to have some negative experiences with doctors and realize that we just need, we need more black physicians out there, period. Just not only as role models, but as clinicians so that our people can, can receive better care. And honestly, that became the driving force at the end of the day. So just this desire to see a change in um, just the numbers of physicians that are out there, physicians of color, and also realizing like I am actually passionate about about the human body and about learning more and it doesn't it doesn't bore me so stuck with it. And I think for for people who have not grown in a culture where those three things are expected of you, and even digging deeper into like the certain expectations that we ultimately place on ourselves, right? What was that like knowing that okay, bet I need to for example, or you mentioned the photography. And you understand, like, yo, I need to, like, have more representation in medicine. I need, you know, to have more Black doctors, more Black female doctors, period. And then right. and then you're like, but I'm really good at this other thing, too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and trying to figure out, like, how can you pursue both? What was that, like, for you? And then maybe even what... Because this is really going to help somebody who, who who's struggling with, like, their own identity um, as a healthcare mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, what, what struggles did you see yourself like beginning to face? And then how did that change your own perspective of who you were or should have been? Mm, that's a good question. For one, there was, I did not know a single person out there that was trying to do both. And I didn't even realize, I think it, it took a while for me to realize that I was trying to do both. You know, you just kind of moving on a day-to-day basis, just doing things. And it finally hits you like, uh, I'm actually juggling a low-key, a full-time job that I created by myself, and I'm still trying to study, take this stupid MCAT and whatever. So I think it kind of dawned on me over time. And I think what was really helpful was that I had friends that saw it before I did, that saw that what I could be um, before I did, and really supported me in, I guess, taking the leap, because there was no one that I knew or that I could see if I Googled people or whatever Instagram was just like budding at the time but that was a creative in medicine right because that's what that's 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 the well, that's the term I've given it at this point um but I didn't know anyone that was doing both people were just like solely focused on medicine like studying all the time like eat breathe whatever but I was really out here pursuing things that made me happy like I didn't want to be doing anything that I felt just didn't it, whatever didn't make me want to wake up in the morning and like pursue it. I didn't, I didn't want to live that kind of a lifestyle. So I think in this country, people kind of work to die and I'm not, I'm not about that life. And I don't think I've ever been, I've been one to enjoy life. My dad used to describe me that I'd be sitting in the corner, just like singing and playing with my hands, whatever. If I can't sing, if I can't vibe, if it's not, if it's not good, you know what I'm saying? Why, 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 why object to myself to sadness and despair? So I think I was very, very much just trying to find things that brought me joy. And photography was one of those things. Medicine is one of the things that is like very, it's delayed gratification. And so by doing both, I think I was also able to keep myself happy in places where others wouldn't be. In regards to like my parents and stuff, they were not about that life. They thought I was distracting myself. 
at every turn. Why this hobby? Why are you doing this? Why can't you just study? You'd be in medical school by this point if you hadn't been just going jigida, just everywhere, just saying hello, always talking to people. I was like, oh my God. But did I ask you for rent though? When was the last time you gave me any money? When was the last time I asked you for anything? Five years ago? Oh, can you please, please put two and two together. Like that struggle with my parents and like getting them to see like, this was, this is me. I am both of these things and I can be both of these things. I wouldn't say it's, it's no longer an ongoing process because I think once I got into medical school, they were already getting to the point where they were like, dang, she just flew to Paris. She didn't pay for it. Hmm. What's, hmm. <laughs> you know, like they were finally starting to be like, man, maybe I should stop calling it a hobby. But I, I think honestly, until I got into medical school, they weren't like, okay, so she's done it. So this is possible. And I think that we can see that with a lot of, especially just African-Americans that are pursuing things that are, I, I wouldn't say unorthodox, but that's the way that came to mind. Because I think with our population, with our communities, we're not always allotted the opportunity to dream and to dream about things that are, that are outside of what the norm is. And so if it wasn't for my friends and people that supported me, I wouldn't have dreamed dreamed i don't even know if i'm saying these things correctly hey Gina, okay. <laughs> yeah i wouldn't have i wouldn't have thought outside of the box i wouldn't have continued to pursue this route and i don't think i'd be as fulfilled and as happy as i am today so yeah sorry long-winded long-winded cut where you got to no 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 we ain't cut nothing that was that was <laughs> listen i i, I love that and it's always beautiful to hear people talk about the things that they love because you see that passion come out. And that's something that is very evident with yourself, you know, as you're speaking about everything. And I have to ask mm-hmm. this because you, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, the fact that no one was doing it, you know? So right. like for you, okay, essentially I am the blueprint because I don't know anyone else who is doing the same thing so Ooh, I'm my write question, that down my <laughs> so my look at that give me my 10 percent um, <laughs> I'm so serious <laughs> I am the blueprint me <laughs> hey go ahead go ahead I want to ask you then how because I feel like this kind of ties into this how do you balance your purpose versus your passion and what do you what do you consider your purpose and what do you consider your passion? Man, y'all coming with the questions today. Well, I mean, I think I would like to think that my passions are in line with my purpose. When I think of what my purpose is, I think my purpose is to shine a light on the work that God is doing. And that can be done in, in so many different ways. That can be done through photography by visually capturing it. That can be done through content creating by, by sharing like authentic stories and authentic experiences. That can be done in medicine by being there for a patient and by treating them and, and, by, and by using all of the skills and the talent that God has bestowed on you to do so. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, purpose, purpose fuels passion. They're both, I don't think they're, I don't see them as separate things. Yeah, I think 
it's like it's like this goal i think for me to live a purpose-driven life so the passions that i have for photography or medicine those are all vehicles to fulfill the purpose i'm out here giving quotes no for real somebody better quote me uh. i am writing i'm like oh let me let me hit you with this one um just because i and i think for me even that realization, it's something that I've had to come to because for so long I used to struggle just with like my identity, my identity in a professional sense versus like what I wanted to do. And then just like even letting go because I, I, mm. I can tell you, I, I identify, I identify um, mm. with just like even seeing like what podcasting has allowed us to do, mm-hmm. you know, where five ten years ago like if i was like yeah you know we have a, people would just be like what? <laughs> <laughs> what 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 is what is that you know what, where are you running with that and i think you know ultimately just with the world changing the ability to to impact has also shifted i think back when like say people people got you know you were impacted if you read like the medical journal or you went to see a primary and they told you some stuff and then you could like maybe Google it and go down that rabbit hole, whatever. But then um, for even growing up, I think it maybe was like this for you. And that's why I appreciate the fact that you're out here doing the thing. Is that like my, my even perception of what medicine is? I think for many, even my friends, many of my homies that are in med school, like their perception of what <laughs> medicine is and what it should be, right? I never been in med school, so I don't quote me on this and nobody, you know, ostracizing me for coming at y'all. But I just think a lot of y'all are too stressed beyond what you should be stressed with. Mm. And so I, I, I have to ask, like, because understanding the, the platform you have and the ability you've been given to, to speak and, you know, do stuff that other people pay attention to, right? You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a subset of people that it don't matter. You breathe and they're like, I'm here. If, if they're so, there, um, yeah, I don't know. You know? So, so like, I, I do have to ask, like, what's, what is it even like to, to be in medicine as an online influencer? I don't like that word. Okay. What word do you like? Teach us. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. I just know that word makes me feel sick inside. Who said you should call somebody an influencer and pay them for it? Everybody has influence. Okay. Let me ask you this. Let me, let me rephrase it. All right, because somebody okay. now, all your fans are about to come at us. How dare you? Nah. <laughs> how, how dare you? All right, so let me let me ask it this way: What's it like to practice or to to be in medicine as who you are right now with the platform that you have? <laughs> see what I did there? I see what you did there. I see what I did there? Uh, What's that like? I mean, I think it's. Uh, I mean, times are changing. So the crazy thing is that a lot of the. Uh, well, let me not call them old heads because if they hear me say this on there, they're going to be like, you were talking about me and I'm an old head. But there are older people that are now like advocating like, yo, you need to be on social media. Social media is a perfect space for advocacy. It's a perfect space for mentorship and pipeline work and all of that. And I agree. And I think when I, I mean, my social media kind of growth, I don't have a, I never know how to pronounce this word. Is it niche? Niche? Niche. Niche. Don't ask me. Tomato, uh, tomato, yeah. tomato, tomato. Y'all get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But I don't have a. I don't have that. I am a. I'm a. I want to do it all, whatever that is. You know, there's no like limits. And so I think when it comes to like who follows me on social media, I think a lot of people are learning so much because I share about everything. 
So maybe you're only following me for pre-med stuff. You get exposed to creative stuff. You get exposed to social injustice stuff. You get exposed to travel. You get exposed to life, a life that you never knew you probably could have, you know? So I think when, uh, when that interfaces with medicine, I think the main thing that people tend to talk to me about is my photography and, and then the photography that I've been able to do as of late has been more so, I mean, I, I think I, I call myself a storyteller now. I'm not over here shooting weddings and ugh, graduations and things like that anymore. I'm a little bit more purpose driven on what I'm doing now. Um, and I think the main thing that happens whenever I, that the medical field and social media and stuff cross paths are conversations fueled by like, whoa, I love your work. I, I agree about representation because I've been sharing more of those stories lately. And I think that it also kind of opens up people to knowing that there's life outside of medicine. I think that's another conversation that I tend to have a lot is like, dang, how do you do all of those things and you do this too? Like, how can I do that? Because I, my life is consumed with studying and consumed with this and this and this. I don't have, I don't even know how you have time. Do you sleep? Me, I sleep. No one will take my sleep from me. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, (laughs) People, the questions that people are asking me are like, how can I get some balance in my life? Because it seems like you do a lot of things. I don't know if it's actually balanced, but it seems like you're happy. You know, so I think, I think social media for me has been, it's been a conversation starter. It's been, it's opened doors, even within medicine that I didn't know it could open. I'm about to apply to residency. I know they're looking at my social media and they're like, ooh, she's well-rounded. Let's get her. Hmm, give me that bag. Secure the bag, 2020, baby. So <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities. That I think people gotta people gotta wake up. Social media is connecting folk these days, getting you jobs and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> Yo, you're a comedian. <laughs> Am I? You Am are. I? You are. <laughs> so, so let me ask you. Uh, with with that being said. You also are are very involved in just in general in terms of uh, the medical field. I know you just got a position with SNMA, and so I want to ask you, like, what made you run for the position for the Student Nation, National Medical Association, and how how does that position tie into your overall vision for yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, SNMA has been around for almost 60 years. And the purpose, the reason why it was created was to be a space, a safe space and a resource for current and future underrepresented minority communities or minority medical students, sorry. And to focus on the needs of underserved communities, because that's the tendency of like where those kind of people groups come from. They tend to come from underserved communities. And it was realized that, you know, that a space was needed, that dedicated resources, that dedicated funding and manpower towards supporting those kind of, those um, people as they pursued careers in medicine. And so for me to find out that an organization had been around for X amount of years and I didn't know about it after I graduated was a mess. I was upset because undergrad was rough to say the least. And I was over here mentoring students on what not to do because I had done just about everything you shouldn't do as a pre-med, as a science major. And so when I graduated and found out about the organization, I was like, all right, when I get into medical school, I'm going to join the organization and I'm going to do whatever I can to help 
put the name on the map, whether that's like through brand awareness, whether I'm just taking pictures at every single event they have and sharing it with the whole world, then whatever it is, God use me basically. And so when I got into medical school, I joined our local chapter, but my eyes were always set towards regional and like national leadership. And I think my reasoning for that was that I had already been out of college. I went from college to two years master's program to a post-bac program to get more like science classes under my belt before a medical school. And so my thought process with that, like, you know what, I don't know whether you're going to be a speaker somewhere or whether you're going to go into administration or if you're going to be a dean or professor or whatever, but you need to have, you need more practical skills. And the SNMA is a great place to do that because it's a nonprofit. It's a student run organization. We have headquarters staff um, that help us kind of execute um, a lot of the day-to-day like business part of the work along with an executive director. And so either way, I was about by, by being a part of leadership, you are effectively helping to run a nonprofit and a national one at that. And so it just seemed like a good space for me to get these skills that I thought might be helpful in the future. And so again, my, my main goal was to help build the brand. So when I finally did apply for a national board position, I applied for the external affairs co-chair for their committee, which is basically just to help with like building the brand helps with external partnerships, those kind of things. By the end of that year, I had decided, I was like, I don't know, girl, you about to go in the third year, girl, I don't know, you sure you want the presidency, girl, I don't know, because there's people that have been in the organization since undergrad, so by the time they get into med school, they might have been in there six years, so their institutional knowledge is deep, and maybe that's what they're looking for, but when I looked at the position and, like, the breakdown of what the position required, it required someone to be the face of the organization, someone to help with programs, to have a vision. And I was like, you know what, sis, you got that. <laughs> and again, that support system is strong, right? So I, I had to tell my homies about it, like, hey, I think I'm going to apply for this. I think I'm going to run for this position. And they was like, oh, girl, it was made for you. You, you know, you got this. You know, you need your high people to like reaffirm, like you, you're going to, you should run for this. You're going to be great at it. And so like, I had the passion to lead the organization for sure, especially after being on the board for a year. And so I ended up applying and I think people, I don't know what people assume the elections process is like, but we have 10 regions, we have thousands of members. And so when you run, you run and you have to speak at our national conference, which has a couple, maybe like 3000 students come and attend. So if you're running, you got to give speeches. And I had remembered a couple of years back that I had prayed to God, like, I want to be able to speak. I want to be able to speak and be comfortable speaking in public. Now, I didn't know he was about to throw me through a crash course for this situation. I didn't know. I didn't know until like maybe a month before I was like, wait, what? I got to give 10 speeches to all the different regions all in one night. And then I have to speak to the House of Delegates, which is another 500. Lord. So did all of that. I won. We thank God. So we're here. That's, 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 that's about it. So really, we should be calling her Madam President. Hello. Respect. Mm, put some respect on my name. Put it, put it where it's due. Really, we got a y'all, y'all out here playing, <laughs> and we got the prez up in here. Well, let me wrap it up with this one, at least with my questions. And uh, I think I think what the people really need to know, and what's really gonna stand out, kind of getting a better understanding of your hashtag Stand Strong Twenty One Twenty, and um, how would you even recommend that? 
entrepreneurs and students apply it to their life? That's a loaded question. I mean, I think the I think the the best kind of phrase to put that is that you want to stay the course. Whatever you feel like your purpose is, whatever your goals are, keep your eyes on the prize. Because right now, I feel like we're we, we're going through a pandemic. We're going through police brutality. There's so many things that will that will now come and try to tap into your energy source, right? So you got to figure out what is the best way for me to still maintain my course because what I'm doing, the work that I'm doing, it's still needed and I'm still needed within this lane. So I think, I mean, especially now, it's really important to just be really reflective about where you are putting your energy and making sure that you are also pouring back into your own cup so that you have stuff to give. Because I will say that, I mean, this year has been, I would say the last couple of months, last two, three months have been really tough. And I had to just the past three weeks actually just pause and take a break and reset because I had started just giving here, giving there, trying to help people organize for this. And then the third, at the time that I had been so protective over in terms of like making sure I was intentional with my self-care practices had just disappeared and I didn't even notice when it happened. And so in order for you to stand strong, in order for you to stay the course, you have to make sure that you are feeding yourself. Otherwise, you will not be productive. You will not produce fruit. So, I mean, I think that's the, that's the number one thing that it's, it's, it becomes even more relevant in times of crisis, but that's something that's important on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I got two more questions to, to wrap up. So the, the first question I have for you on, a, on another note, what has it been like being able to to have like a partnership with a brand like Fix? Like, what has it been like representing them? How did that how did that come into play? Yeah. So, I mean, when we think about this content creator game, I feel like people have been pushing me in there, and I keep trying to duck and dodge and hide. I'm trying to be the one taking the pictures, but people want me in the pictures. So, I mean, I will say there's still some tension there as I try to navigate that situation. But I will say. Figs found me just from me posting my regular, regular life on Instagram. That's why I'm telling people don't sleep on social media, y'all. It could change your life. And so, I mean, they found me through there, um, reached out to me to send me some of their scrubs. And the truth was that I had had their scrubs in a cart. But that, that, that joint was like $100 or something that I didn't have. And I was like, Lord, that you, know you know these scrubs are good because my sister had bought them. I'm I'm tall and thick and they cover all the bases. And I was like, Jesus, I've already spent money. I can't return those scrubs at this point. So I'm like, God, you're gonna need to provide. Tell someone, put me on somebody's heart, let them send me a hundred dollars, you know what I'm saying? So I get this one little pair real quick, so I can look fire in a hospital. And instead, God sent me figs. <laughs> so they just DM me like, hey, we love your stuff, girl. Can we send you two pairs of scrubs? I was like, let me delete this cart. Jesus, when I tell you, you hear me when I call. So that's kind of how it started. And honestly, it's been such a great experience just like growing with them. They're always, they're very open to, to hearing my ideas and things of that nature. And I think it's very important, like just moving forward, even for myself to always look at brands and look at their mission. Are they, what they, what do they say they're about? And are they actually about it? Do their actions match what they say because especially now there's so much performative responses coming out because of like police brutality and things like that people wanting to or brands wanting to act as if they're 
they care about diversities, if they care about policy change and those kind of things. And ain't nobody got time for the fakeness. You ain't got a, you ain't got a front. You ain't got a front. You can't kick it though, but you ain't got a front either. You know what I'm saying? And so I think the one thing that really stood out about figs was that even when I met them, met some of the people on the team in person, they are very, very much focused on that mission. And that drives who they hire, that drives um, the ambassadors that they choose to be a part of the company and so on and so forth. So I've just really um, enjoyed that experience. And it's kind of been my, I guess it would be my classroom for this like content creator space in general. The last question I have for you, what does success mean to you? I, I don't know why y'all got to do this to me. I got to end on this. Okay. What does success mean to me? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, success, man. Am I happy? <laughs> like I said, I think like, am I happy? Am I fulfilling the purposes that I feel like God has, has called me to? Am I fulfilling my calling? That is what success is. You, I think you can be successful at every step of the way. I was successful before I got into medical school. I was successful once I was in medical school because I was still pursuing the calling that I believe God has placed on my life. So, shoot, that's what success is. People think success is an endpoint. It's not an endpoint. It's like it's a step by step journey, and you can be successful every day, every day. Right now, my main my I've shifted my like view on success and my success is that every day from one to two hours, I do something that brings me joy because for like uh, the past two months, I think I wasn't, I was doing some things, but I wasn't doing enough. And it started to wear and tear on my body and on my spirit. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I got myself a coach shared all my life. And she was like, okay, you need to, this needs to be your goal. So that is now my goal. That is now my thermometer for success. Am I doing this one thing for myself so that I can continue to show up? So yeah, success is not a, there is no end point to success. Success is, am I showing up for myself? Am I so, am I pursuing the purpose that God has called for me? And am I happy? Not happy. Ah, happy is fleeting. Remove that. Delete that. Do I have joy? Joy. Okay, that's it. (laughs) That's the one. And I think that's the one that a lot of people too need to take away from that. You know, just you know to let y'all in on this therapy session every morning. Like even (laughs) as I as I I journal, I think the big point here is like I always intentionally. I mean affirmations, right? But I always write like I am joyful. Because I understand, like, you can be joyful and pissed. You can be joyful and upset. Mm-hmm. You can be mm-hmm. joyful and, and, and feeling down, and, and it's contradictory. But you can be joyful and still feel like things are not working out the way they are, but you're choosing. And that's the key. And I love the fact that you, you define success like that because I just know a ton of people are just always chasing that. Am I happy? Do I feel good? my make mm-hmm. a place and it's like yo like are you i said it yesterday to my girlfriend but it's like we almost have to become content with being happier than we think we deserve mm-hmm. and success the way you you defined it that's on point so thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that i just had to kind of piggyback on that a little bit because i know somebody's going to take that make it into a quote and then i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> the back end of this 
counseling the dad. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Real talk. Uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. No problem. <laughs> so with, with all that being said, first off, let me just take this time to tell you, thank you once again for, you know, making the time to come on the show and, and um, you know, just have a, a real and genuine conversation with us that I know tons of our listeners needed to hear a lot of the things you said. So um, thank you for that. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, we look forward to, you know, keeping in touch and just seeing everything that you do from here. For our listeners, matter of fact, before I talk to our listeners, for anyone who is listening, um, and this may be, you know, their first exposure to you, what social media handles, what information would you like to leave with them? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on the gram <laughs> at O-S-O-S-E-E. Um, that's on Instagram. And that's also how you can find me on YouTube. I'm dabbling in there a little bit. Yeah, I think those are the main two. I'm on Twitter, but I don't, I don't talk too much. I'm still, I'm still, I don't even know what's called a baby tweeter. I don't know. I don't know what the word might be, but I'm, I made it up. I made it up. Don't, don't survive me for this one. But I don't know what it's called, but I, I'm on Twitter too. Um, it's just my first and last name. O-S-O-S-E-O-B-O-H on Twitter. And that's also my website. You can check that out too. We might have the Urban Dictionary that one because I'm not sure what you call it either. <laughs> I made it up. I don't know. <laughs> oh. And now it's trending. Watch. Oh. Please don't let that trend. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, guys, as always, we love you. We appreciate you. If you got value from this episode, share, subscribe, leave us a rating, a five-star rating, might I add. You know, and we just... We appreciate you guys for, for all the support, all the messages me and Paul get. You know, that's part of the reason why we keep doing this week in and week out. And until next time, peace and many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.